Good morning, Parkway Church. How are we doing? Good. So glad you guys are here, whether you're gathered at Parkway Victoria, Parkway Port Lavaca, Parkway Lone Tree, or Parkway Online. We are so glad you're here. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here. And it's my privilege today to continue our walk through Scripture together. In 2018, we have a simple plan. We're going to open our Bibles and see what it says. We're going to catch the big ideas, the major theological threads that spread through Scripture. We're going to get to know the major players in the Bible. We're going to walk through it chunk by chunk, person by person, story by story, so that we can understand it and so that we can apply it to our lives. Whether we're Bible scholars or we are people who have never read the stories before, I hope that this is a year that challenges you to trust God's word and to read God's word in such a way that you live it and you apply it to your life. So let me tell you where we are so far in our story. We began with a three-week look at the book of Genesis, how God created us, how God corrected us, and ultimately how God chose us as the people of God through the promise to Abraham. And then last week, we began a study of the second book of the Bible. That's the book of Exodus. And we began with a look at the fact that God's people who were like in Egypt because of a famine, they left the promised land and went to Egypt because of a famine. God provided a place for them to live and a food for them to have and supplies for their nation to grow. And the nation of Israel, while it was in captivity, the Hebrew people grew to about two million strong. And the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, was using God's people as his workers, his slaves. And the people of God were in captivity for 400 years, and they cried out to God. And we learned last week that God hears our cries and acts according to the cries, the, the needs of his people. Because God lit a bush on fire and grabbed the attention of Moses. I introduced you to Moses last week as a guy who had a speech impediment and a guy who could have had a felony record because he killed somebody. And God would call him to be his spokesperson. Now, I don't know if God vetted Moses correctly. I mean, who would call a felon with a stutter to be your spokesperson? But this is who God called to free his people. And as you hear the story of Moses, it reminds me that God uses broken people like you and me and Moses all the time. God calls people like you and me to meet the needs of other people. God calls people like you and me to be an answered prayer to somebody who's crying out to God for help. And so today we pick up the story of Moses and God and Pharaoh. And we're going to look today at the condition of Pharaoh's heart. And, and the reason it matters is because what we're going to learn today, the condition of your heart, is the number one relationship builder or relationship killer in your life. We're going to see that Pharaoh had what Scripture calls a hard heart. That's a heart that's not moved to pity. That's a heart that won't change out of the needs or concerns of others. That's a heart that's set on its own path no matter what happens. And we're going to see the danger of having a hard heart today. So as we jump in, we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 4. If you brought your Bible, you can turn with me to Exodus chapter 4. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can use the outline we gave you on the way in. You can follow along in the Bible app, click events, and then you will find us. Let's jump in together. We'll also put some of the verses up on the screen. Exodus chapter 4, verse 21 and following. The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do, but I will harden his heart 
so he will not let the people go. Now, that's our first mention of a hard heart. And God is sending Moses to Pharaoh with some supernatural powers, with some wonders, so that the attention of Pharaoh and the heart of Pharaoh might change, so that God's people would be freed. But God says here that when you perform these wonders, he won't let your people go because I will harden his heart. And we see this idea of God hardening hearts both here in the Old Testament and also references in the New Testament. When I was in seminary about 23 years ago, I used to be here as your student pastor, and on Mondays I would drive to Houston in my little geo-tracker, and I would take classes at night and then on Tuesday morning as well. Remember one of my systematic theology classes, the professor said, I want a two-page position paper on whether or not God hardens hearts. Aren't you glad 23 years ago you paid for my seminary education so I could actually answer it for you today? My conviction and belief is this, and we'll see it from the story of Moses and Pharaoh, and we see it from the totality of Scripture, that God allows situations and circumstances. God allows discipline and even good days to harden our hearts. I believe that God desires that every man, woman, and child would be soft-hearted towards him, believe in Christ, and find life. But God will allow, if we want it, if we take a step, if we continue in what we're going to see here in Scripture, God will allow a heart to be hardened. Why would God tell Moses, hey, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart if he's not actually hardening the heart? Let me tell you why I think it is. I think God gave Moses that heads up, because remember, Moses is a guy that when God called him, he had excuses. And so God says to him, hey, I'm going to send you before Pharaoh. I've given you some wondrous signs. And oh, by the way, when you do the first sign, he's not going to relent. When you do the second sign, he's not going to give up. When you do the third sign, it's not going to be freedom. When you do the fourth sign, it's not hasta la vista, baby. You are going to have to continue on with the wondrous signs I've given you because his heart will grow hard. If you had a spokesperson who needed confidence, who needed proof that he had been called and sent by God to go to Pharaoh, might you, as the God who's leading him, lean in and say, hey, just so you know, this isn't going to be an easy battle. Hey, just so you know, those people with hard hearts, it's not an easy win. I think that's what God did for Moses. And so as we hear the story of Scripture today, it begins with an interchange between Moses and Pharaoh. Moses is going to make a request, and this is Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what the Bible says. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, and they said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and will not let Israel go. So the first request was a very simple one. Hey, would you allow my people to leave their work and to go worship their God, worship the Lord in the wilderness? And Pharaoh's response shows the condition of his heart. I mean, what did he say? He said it right here. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? You know who the Lord was in Egypt? It was Pharaoh. You know who was in charge in Egypt? It wasn't the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was the Pharaoh. And he says, who is the Lord that I should obey him? (laughs) 
That's a condition of a heart that we would say is hard. So what did Moses do? Moses gave a warning. Keep reading, Exodus 5, 3 through 4. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. So Moses comes and says, we've met with God on this. It's just not, you know, we're not looking for a long weekend. We, we want to go worship God. And if we don't, judgment's coming. Could come by plague, could come by the hand of another country, the sword. But if we don't, judgment's coming. Verse 4, but the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. And then Pharaoh escalated things from there. He wasn't a reasonable man. Let us go worship. Nope, I don't know God, and who is he to tell me what to do? He wasn't an understanding man. Nope, why are you trying to pull your people away from work? In fact, he was a man that escalated things time and time and time again. And here's one of those. Exodus chapter 5, 6 through 9. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to the lies. Wow. What did he do? He just doubled their work and didn't reduce the quota one iota. He said, now you've got to go get your own straw and you make your own bricks and you've got to do the same amount of bricks in the day as you did before. They were now their own supply chain. They were now in charge of, 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 of the, both the creation and the completion of the brick process here. And their work would be so, so hard. And he tells the slave drivers, don't listen to any lies. Don't let them tell you that they need to go worship. The real issue is they're lazy. And I think it's funny that the guy who's ordering the decree to double their work, essentially, isn't doing any of the work while he calls them lazy. How would God respond? I mean, God invited Pharaoh to free his people. God warned Pharaoh through Moses and Aaron, if you don't free my people, there may be plagues or sword. And then Pharaoh, what did he do? He said, who is God that he should tell me what to do? And then he upped his mistreatment of God's people. So Exodus 7, 1 through 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. And what he was saying here is, I've made you my agent to go to Pharaoh. See, what I told you is coming true. Pharaoh's heart is hard. I've made you an agent to go to him. See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet, be your spokesperson. You are to say everything I command, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. Verse 3, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions. God's saying, when Pharaoh doesn't listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work wondrous acts of judgment. I'm going to bring out my division. I'm going to bring out the Israelites, my people. 
When we heard from God and Abraham that God shows Abraham to be the father of a great nation, he's going to prove his faithfulness to that covenant, to that promise one more time right here. He says, I'm going to bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. Now verse 5. And the Egyptians will know that I am Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Let's pause right there. Because part of what we need to understand is why God and Pharaoh are about to have a standoff. Why Moses and Aaron are going to stand before Pharaoh and there is going to be judgment, there are going to be plagues, there are going to be problems brought upon all the people. Why? Well, let's remember who started this. It was Pharaoh when God came through Moses and Aaron and said, hey, let my people go worship. And he said, who is God to tell me what to do? I don't know him. He can't tell me what to do. And then did you see what God's ultimate goal was as he was going to free his people? The Bible says that the ultimate goal of these wonders and signs and acts that are coming is that Egypt and God's people would know that he is Lord. And so Pharaoh asked the question, who is Lord? And God's about to answer it. The condition of Pharaoh's heart brought about what we're going to see in Scripture. Because he didn't release the people, ten plagues came upon Egypt. You say, Mike, do you believe that these ten plagues actually came upon Egypt? I absolutely believe these ten plagues came upon Egypt. Why? Because Jesus even mentioned the, the signs and wonders. Jesus even referred back, and the New Testament refers back to the signs and wonders that were given both to, to Noah and then to freeing God's people here in Exodus. Do I believe it? Yes, because the Bible teaches us on it. So what are these 10 plagues? Well, as we look at them, I want you to see that they're progressive and they're painful. And the pain progresses over time because Pharaoh's heart is hardening. The first plague was this. All the blood, or pardon me, all the water in Egypt turned to blood. Ugh. Gross. Why would that happen? Well, let's show Pharaoh who's in charge. So all the water turned to blood. Fish were dying. There was nothing to drink or feed with. This was a problem. You would think that that would get Pharaoh's attention and that one would be done. But no. Listen to this, Exodus 7, verse 23. Instead, he turned and went into his palace and did not even take this to heart. I mean, what's it going to take? All the water is blood. Well, what was the second of the plagues? The second plague was frogs covering the land. And when we say frogs covering the land, we mean frogs covering the land. They were everywhere. It was such a disturbance to the people that, that, that Moses cried out to God and said, hey, stop the frogs. And all the frogs died right where they were. I don't know what's worse, a frog that's alive and jumping or a frog that's dead and rotting. But this is where the people were. And, and Pharaoh had asked for that help from God. So you might think that the frogs dying would help. Exodus 8, verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord said. So God was proving himself to be Lord. Moses and Aaron were requesting the freedom of his people, and the story was going just as God said it would. 
because Pharaoh's heart was hardening each step of the way. So the next plagues, plague four and plague five, involve flies. Plague four was when Aaron put his staff into the ground and the dust that came up came up like gnats. Fleas. Lice. I mean, could you imagine a full invasion of Egypt? Do you think that got Pharaoh's attention? Nope. The next was uh, uh, an invasion, a plague of flies, dog flies. Now, I don't know what a dog fly is. I know what a horse fly is. And I'm guessing that a, dog's, a dog fly's bark is worse than its bite. But uh, <laughs> I was trying really hard because y'all look like you're really enjoying this little lesson on the, 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 the plagues here. And you're like, wow, I, I woke up for this. I shaved my legs for this. I mean, come on, Mike. But these gnats and then the flies that spread throughout Egypt, it wasn't just an inconvenience like mosquito season in South Texas or that discomfort of having lice or feeling like you do. It was that disease and death were spreading with these bugs. And yet Pharaoh's heart didn't change. I mean, what would it take? God's going to answer that question here in a bit. Plague number five was the plague of uh, the death of all Egyptian livestock. And this is, this is a crazy one. Imagine if you were an Egyptian and you owned um, any type of livestock. And you go to bed after you feed them one evening and you wake up the next morning and all your livestock are gone. They're dead. I mean, wouldn't you expect that the cries of the people, the push of the people would get Pharaoh to change and to turn his heart and let the people go? It didn't. Exodus 9, verse 7. Pharaoh investigated and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites has died, yet his herd was un, unyielding, and he could, pardon me, yet his heart was unyielding, and he would not let the people go. You would think that at this point, we're five plagues in. We've lost livestock, we've had the flies, we've had the frogs, we've seen the water turn to blood. You would think that Pharaoh's heart would be changing, but it's not. I mean, you know why it's not, because we struggle with having a hard heart from time to time, too. Situations will harden our heart. Relationships will harden our heart. Even God's unbending truth will harden some of our hearts, because we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And yet God says, I am the Lord your God. I'm the one who's in charge. I define the rules. So Pharaoh didn't relent. So what came next? Boils break out on all the people of Egypt. Now, I would have given up very quickly if I had a boil on my body. I would have been done. I mean, just a single boil on my body, and I'm, you can go, right? You can go. I don't want a boil on my body. Nowhere. And if these boils were covering the people of Egypt, the pain, the infection, no, free them. Pharaoh didn't. Pharaoh didn't. So what came next? Plague number seven. It was a hailstorm that killed all unsheltered humans, animals, and vegetation. So a storm hit Egypt like it had never been seen before. And hail comes and wipes everything out that's unsheltered. 
You may have lost a servant that was unsheltered out in the fields. You may have lost the rest of your animals that were unsheltered out in the fields. You may have lost your crop out in the field. You'd think that that might turn Pharaoh's heart. He'd never seen a, nat a natural act like this before. Exodus 9, 34 and 35. But when Pharaoh saw the rain and the hail and the thunder had stopped, he sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. So Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not let the Israelites go, just as the Lord had said through Moses. Friends, let's just plant here for a moment, then I'm going to move very quickly. There are times in life where everyone else looks and says, it makes sense to soften your heart and to relent. There are times when we look into each other's lives and we say, it's time to let it go. It's time to soften that heart. It's time to find compassion. It's time to yield your way to the way of God in your life. And the last person to see it is the person who needs to see it the most. And Pharaoh is that person. He had an opportunity and an almost a willingness after the hailstorm to change his heart, to have a change of heart. And yet before he did, what's the Bible say he did? He sinned again. And his heart was hardened. Friends, there's a choice you make in certain moments in your life. Am I going to soften my heart to people and to God? Or am I going to sin again and watch my heart get even harder? So what came next? Plague number eight was locusts covering the land and consuming all remaining vegetation. If you have teenagers, you know what this looks like. They can clear a pantry and leave nothing. That's what the locusts did. The crops were gone. Livestock are gone. There's no hope. Did that change Pharaoh's heart? No hope? Nope, it didn't. So plague number nine came, and that was the plague of darkness. It went dark for three days in Egypt. You would think that that might get Pharaoh's attention and show that the God he's fighting with is the God of the universe who controls everything. But it didn't change Pharaoh's heart. And so now we get to the 10th plague, and it's the most painful of plagues. It's the one that is going to cause some of you, especially if you're still seeking a relationship with God, to wonder how in the world could a loving God do this? Because the 10th plague was the plague of the firstborn. God went to his people and warned them ahead of time. He said, I want you to put lamb's blood on your doorpost because I'm going to come into the land and every house that isn't marked will lose the firstborn. But those that are marked, I will pass over. Those that are marked, I will pass over and they will have life. It's what the Jewish people still celebrate today is Passover. And so what God is doing here is exactly what Pharaoh had been doing to his people before. He takes a life for a life. And listen to how the story erupts in the middle of the night. Exodus chapter 12 Verse 29 through 32. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon to the firstborn of the livestock as well. I mean, the way this is surmised is from the palace to the barnyard, from the palace to the prison to the barnyard, 
everyone in Egypt experienced loss if there wasn't a mark on their door. Everyone experienced loss if the Lord didn't pass over their house. And so what happened? Well, you know what happened. I mean, it makes sense this would happen. And so verse 30, Pharaoh and all of his officials and Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and your herds, and you have said, and go, as you have said, and go, and also bless me. So what is it that made Pharaoh relent? When he realized the cost of the condition of his heart, he relented. When he heard the cries of his people, when he experienced his own loss of his son or his daughter, son it would have been, firstborn son, firstborn, I'm arguing with myself up here. When he lost his firstborn, make it right, he would have felt his own loss and he relented. Friends, as you grapple with this for just a moment, see, Mike, where is a loving God in the midst of this story? I mean, all joking aside, where is a loving God who I see is graceful and kind and compassionate in the New Testament, and yet here there's death and destruction and loss of all types, including firstborn kids? Let me tell you where the grace of God is. The grace of God is in the Passover. The grace of God is found in the blood of the Lamb. The grace of God is found in the fact that everybody deserves that type of death, but God chose his people. The grace is found that all of us are marred and marked by sin in such a way that we deserve God's judgment. But by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you're a believer in him, he passes over your sin because of his son. And when you believe in him, you cross over from death into life and nothing can change that. So where's the loving, graceful God that you're looking for? He's right here in the middle of the story. And I just remind you that at any point in time, Pharaoh could have relented. His heart could have been soft, but his heart was hardened because of his choices, because of the circumstances that he was in. And and what happens when you have a hard heart? Well, I'll answer that after you ask me today's most important question. You know what today's most important question is? It's two words. It's so and it's what. You put that together and you say, so what? Let's do it on three. Every location, I want to hear you all the way from Port Lavaca. One, two, three. So what? Mike, so what? So what that God and Moses got in a fight and had to argue about letting the people go? Mike, so what that, that, that Pharaoh like, questioned who God is, and so Moses had to show him who God always will be? Mike, so what that God confirmed to Moses that Pharaoh's heart would be hard? Mike, so what that the, the plagues were progressive and painful? Mike, so what that you say that the grace of God was on display in the midst of this story? So what? So what does this have to do with me? Well, I I just want you to ask this simple question. Is your heart like the heart of Pharaoh? Hardening, closing, callousing all the time? Or is your heart soft and beating for the Lord? 
with a hard heart, you will refuse to listen to others. And you can fill in that blank. With a hard heart, you will refuse to listen to others. Did you see what Pharaoh said and what Pharaoh did over and over and over again? He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron. When your heart is hard, your ears are closed. And you don't want to hear from anyone or you don't want to hear them say anything that disagrees with the narrative of your hard heart. So you refuse to listen. The second thing when you have a hard heart is you resist the warning signs. Each of these plagues, each of these wonders were warnings to the Pharaoh. And he resisted them. It said that he didn't take them to heart. He didn't pay attention to the signs. You guys know I joke all the time about driving a 15-year-old Tahoe. And on my Tahoe, on, the, on the, the, the dash, there's this light that's always on. It's been on since I bought it. And it says, uh, check engine soon. Right? I completely ignore that light. But there's one light. When it comes on, I don't ignore it even for two, three minutes. And that's the check engine oil level light. When that light comes on, I'm pulling over, I'm popping the hood, and I'm filling her up again. That's a light you cannot ignore if you want to keep her on the road. If you ever see me on the side of the road pouring oil into the Tahoe, we're fine. It's just a dance we do every now and again. <laughs> Friends, if you resist the warning signs, your heart will continue to grow hard. And hard hearts are the number one relationship killer. Let me put it to you this way, fellas. For years, I was ignoring the warning sign of a hard heart towards my wife. I was ignoring all the warning signs that she was sending and that others would, would remind me of. I was ignoring them. A few years back, I decided to never ignore a warning sign again when it comes to the condition of my relationship with my bride. And I'm so glad I did. Because here's what I know. By the time a guy feels there's distance in the relationship, the wife has been living with that distance for some time. I don't mean that as a complete indictment against all married men in this room, but we're a little slow sometimes. Especially when it comes to feelings and heart conditions. And so, husband, if you're feeling like your wife is distant from you, she's probably living, knowing that you've got a distance that needs to be dealt with, and you can deal with it. Third thing that happens when you live with a hard heart, you rebel against God. You're like Pharaoh, and you say, God, who are you to tell me? And so his unbending truth, when it doesn't line up with what you want to do, it actually hardens your heart against him. You say, God, who am I for you to tell me what to do? Who am I that you are my God? So you refuse to listen, you resist or ignore the warning signs, and then you rebel against God. But I tell you, friends, there's another option because of the power of God at work in your life. Ezekiel 36, 
26 through 37. This is a prophecy of what will happen when Messiah comes. And we look at Jesus as the Savior, the Messiah of the world. We know that this is true of us today. Listen to this. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. The Bible says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. See, what the Old Testament prophet was saying is that when we come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, his son, he takes that heart of stone that's like Pharaoh's heart and replaces it with a heart of flesh that's like Jesus's heart. And at that heart of flesh, not only does he change our heart, but he gives us his spirit so that the spirit teaches us how to carefully obey and follow his laws. Friends, it's possible for your heart to change because God is changing your heart. It's possible for your relationships to change because God is at work in your life. It's not that heart of stone that's driving you anymore. It's that heart of flesh that God himself is writing his laws and decrees upon. The reason change is possible. The reason you can listen to feedback. The reason you don't have to resist the warning sites. The reason you don't have to rebel against God is because he is changing your heart. If you simply won't have the ego of Pharaoh, So three questions very quickly to see how you're doing in this regard. Each week we're taking inventory, and this is a fearless moral inventory. First question is this, and answer it honestly. Don't cheat off your neighbor's paper. Am I bitter or jaded towards life? If one of the things that makes our heart hard is the hand we've been dealt, we think, how are you doing with that hand that God has dealt you? Are you bitter and jaded towards life? That shows the condition of your heart. If all that you expect to happen to you is bad, you've got a heart problem. If all that you expect is trouble and turmoil, you've got a heart problem. If you think nothing ever goes right for you, check your heart. Second question. In my relationships, am I living with a soft heart towards people? Pharaoh wouldn't listen and see. He escalated. How are you doing with that? Are you a person of peace who has a soft heart towards people? Or are you continually escalating? It shows the condition of your heart. In fact, the condition of your heart in this regard is why we have small groups. We want everybody connected to a group of people where somebody can look across the table and say, Dude, you need to check your heart. Dude, you need to check your words. Dude, you need to check it. Part of what we do in groups is be around people that help us know how to have a soft heart towards people. It takes vulnerability, it takes honesty, but it is so worth it. Third question, and I'm done. Are my decisions showing that my heart is soft to God? You cannot disconnect your decisions from the condition of your heart. If you are making godly, wise decisions, that heart of flesh is at work in you. If you're making sinful, broken, damaging decisions, it shows you Christian, where God needs to work in your life. 
How are your decisions showing the condition of your heart before God? The condition, is the condition of your heart so submitted before the Lord that you're saying yes to him in obedience and dependence? Or are you staying in opposition to him like a king of your own life? Friends, God met with Pharaoh. And Pharaoh hardened his heart every time until finally he relented. My last question What's it going to take for you to say yes to that soft heart and the Holy Spirit of God working in you? Instead of fighting for your own place with ego and power, and instead say, God, I am yours. Work in me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open the word today. In this time, I pray that you would help us to examine our lives. Church family, look at these questions. Are you bitter and jaded towards life? Are you soft-hearted towards people? Are your decisions showing that you're soft or hard-hearted towards God? Which one? Do business with God because here's what I know. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit lives in you. And you have a heart of flesh beating in your chest spiritually. And I encourage you to not quelch the Holy Spirit or limit the Holy Spirit, but to invite the Spirit to work on your heart in this moment, to soften it towards God and towards people, to drop the ego and say, God, I'm yours. If you're not a believer yet, your step is to say yes to Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is Savior and Lord. And he invites you to believe in him and to find life. The sin that we all do, we deserve death. But what does he give those who believe? He gives life. So in this moment, if today's your day to believe and to find life, let's mark it with a prayer you can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior that you are the savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life.